1: Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save.
3: Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiacca
0: Hello, dear friends, and welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show, where we share thoughts, uncover expansive and evolutionary truths, to support the path to unity and enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring the shock factor, evolutionary challenges of our time. To say our circumstances changed since the era of the hunter-gatherer is a gross understatement. The drastic shift from tribal existence to modern society has its upside and downside. While our industrialized and technological society offers convenience and comfort, it's also created a fast-moving, stress-filled existence. Most of us are unaware of the shock we endure on a daily basis, its cumulative and generational effect, and the overall impact on our health and well-being. Though we no longer have to worry about being eaten by a saber-toothed tiger, our modern-day lifestyle and rapid evolution is posing some unique problems and challenges. What is the cumulative effect of today's stressful lifestyle? How is it impacting our health? Do we actually pass trauma and shock down through the generations? Is there a way to reverse the effect? With us this hour to explore this very complex and impactful topic is Dr. Stephanie Mines, author of We're All in Shock, New Frontiers in Sensory Integration, and They Were Families, How War Comes Home. Stephanie is a neuropsychologist whose unique understanding comes from academic research as well as extensive work in the field. Her stories of personal transformation have led many listeners to become deeply committed to the healing journey. Dr. Mines understands shock from every conceivable perspective. She's investigated it as a survivor, a professional, a healthcare provider, and in the process of training institutional staffs and agencies. Her website Terra approach dot org. That's Terra approachorg Stephanie, thanks so much for joining us on Mission Evolution.
1: My pleasure.
0: Uh, so, you're a neuropsychologist. Where did you get your degree?
1: Union Institute.
0: Nice. And what's the difference between a psychologist and a neuropsychologist?
1: Well, my focus has been the study of the brain and the mind body interaction. So I approach psychological distress and issues such as trauma and shock from a more physiological standpoint, understanding how neurochemistry and neurophysiology shape the way that we behave and how we interact with one another.
0: So you're talking like the neurological pathways that start to become embedded based on our reaction to uh, uh, stimulus in the world.
1: Absolutely. And that development begins in utero. So one area of my unique focus actually has been prenatal brain development. So I trace the evolution of stressors on the mind body beginning at conception.
0: Well, help me understand this. Doesn't the um, um, some of the hormones cross the placental barrier, so the stress of the mother impacts the child?
1: Absolutely. And thereby you have the very origins of epigenetics.
0: What's epigenetics?
1: epigenetics means literally above genetics but what it is is the science of how traumatic impacts and actually all environmental influences not just the negative ones positive ones as well are passed on through generations and that transmission literally occurs physiologically beginning at conception so genetic expression is impacted by epigenetics not necessarily the gene structure itself
0: so are you saying that the um a lot of trauma or other experiences are literally passed down from the parents to the child before uh conception
1: Yes, they are there present in the environment of not only the parents, but even the surrounding community and the, the cultural and social and economic conditions of the time. All of that is transmitted through their impact on the mother and how that impact shapes her neurochemistry and her hormonal balances. And that is transmitted uh, directly in this somatic fluid way to the baby and the baby is incredibly receptive to all those influences
0: you know they haven't in some societies i know a lot of muslim societies don't allow the mother and the child out of the home particularly for a certain amount of time after birth now that starts to make sense doesn't it
1: yeah there's an understanding of the need To protect and nurture and support the mother when she's pregnant and and to provide a sanctuary for her to optimize the health of the developing baby
0: now we're talking about how once the baby is just starts to develop is there something that's carried through the genetics like say the father and the mother already bring into the equation before the child is conceived
1: yeah, of course, the parents are carriers of the epigenetic traditions that they inherited. And the more conscious we become of those epigenetic factors, the more that we can actually steward and, and truly parent our children. So th- there's a wonderful Flow of increased awareness and education that's happening, and it's 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 just accelerating as it must um, about the epigenetic role of. How our brains function, how we interact with one another, what the cultural and social and political impacts are on a developing child, and how to convey to that child the capacity to differentiate from those conditions and be their own self. That is the kind of gift that we can provide for future generations, but only if we have the consciousness to do that.
0: Well, consciousness is the key, isn't it?
1: It's the key to everything.
0: You know, if we if we um, it's, it's like you get in a car, if you start driving the car um, and then you identify with the car, isn't that kind of like what this is like? You, you get into the body with all these predisposed things. And how do you separate yourself, you know, your spirit, your soul, your the person you came to be from the vehicle you're driving?
1: Yeah, that is the art of awareness, and I will say that my whole life really has been dedicated to that uh, because I was born into very traumatic circumstances at a traumatic point in history, Uh, and we're at another one right now, of course, uh, even more so. Uh, I really was curious, I think even at a very young age, about who I was in reference to what was going on around me, because what was going on around me was so incredibly overwhelming that in order to make sense of it, I had to do that differentiating process. And because my parents were so enmeshed with that chaos, I had to do that on my own, though I really, really believe I was enormously guided on a spiritual level, because otherwise, I don't know how a little one could have done that.
0: It looks like, you know, cumulatively with the wars and the um, depressions and everything, you know, in fairly recent history that we've gone through as a, as a, as a species, that we've a kind of hit critical mass of trauma, haven't we?
1: Well, I really appreciate you saying that because that really is my fundamental perception at this point in time, that... This cumulative impact on every aspect of our well-being, on our minds and our bodies, on our relationships, on our decision-making capacities, even on our physical structures, definitely on our immune systems and nervous systems has reached a turning point. And that is not only on the human level, it's also on the environmental level. We are at A turning point, and the blessing of being at this turning point is that it can and is arousing the best in all of us, and that's exactly what must happen.
0: You know, I've seen it again and again and again in societies. um, You know, small communities where you just go about your day and you ignore each other, and you know, kind of get grumpy when somebody takes your parking spot. But when a disaster strikes, when a fire hits or a flood. It changes everything and interpersonal relationships for the better. Is this the impact you're talking about?
1: Yes, I would say that is the impact um, on several higher orders of magnitude. And I'd say that on a global level, uh, some of the awareness of that impact is conscious and some of it is unconscious. So even though people might not be articulating it, speaking about it, talking about it, uh with their friends and family members i believe that everyone in the world is experiencing this environment of accelerated climate change accelerated stress and accelerated threat and it it are it are it is those qualities that are starting in many areas to awaken the highest level of potential. I know, I feel, Guilda, that that is actually happening for me personally, that I am being stimulated to evolve at a much higher level and at a faster pace out of my compassion for humanity out of who I am, not only as a neuropsychologist with a doctorate from Union Institute, but as a mother, as a grandmother, as a human being.
0: We really have to steward people at this time, don't we? And ourselves.
1: We have to step up to our leadership. Those of us like you and me who have been cultivating consciousness, awareness, humbly seeking for guidance and for direction and knowing that it's not about us. It's not just about us. Even and and i believe this is true of many of the people who come to study with me though we are seeking we're,
0: we're going to have to pick up with this on your students on the other side of a break
1: okay. <laughs> it's
0: time for a commercial so stephanie and i will be back after this break Thank you're listening you, you're listening to the mission evolution radio show coming to you on the Exxon broadcast network xzbn.net
2: Simo TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. Fifteen exclusive channels like Exxon, Sci-Fi and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. Five hundred built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today.
3: Modern esoteric, beyond our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates.
0: Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. Remember, past episodes are available on our website missionevolution.org. I'm your host Gwetha Wiecka, and our guest this hour is Dr. Stephanie Minds, her website terra-approach.org. Stephanie, we were just talking about what you're you're witnessing in your students as far as these being very evolutionary times.
1: Yes, and thank you. Uh, I forgot to warn you, Gwilda, that I get incredibly enthusiastic and excited, (laughs) and I may just keep going, even though you have to take a break. So I welcome a signal (laughs) because my enthusiasm is so innate to me. So what I am experiencing and what my students are experiencing is this way in which we're making the step the beautiful dance step from i to we organically so even though many of us set out to explore personal development because we were unhappy or we weren't having the relationships or abundance that we wanted in life we felt like we could do better have more in the process of awakening consciousness and awareness what has come along with that is enormous compassion, spiritual attunement, alignment with a higher purpose beyond that personal satisfaction. And whether or not the personal satisfaction is 100% complete, which will never happen, it's really about a more collective experience of joy. That's where we get 100%. And so it's through that Willingness to make the step from I to we, that consciousness, intelligence, the optimum neurochemistry develops.
0: So you're saying that the neurochemistry is actually affected by our ability to unite as, um, as individuals becoming a whole.
1: Absolutely.
0: How does that happen? What goes on there?
1: Well, We can go back to what I said earlier about the womb, about how consciousness develops in utero. And one of the main neurochemicals that flourishes under optimum circumstances in utero is oxytocin, the hormone of love. So the hormone of love is not just about personal love uh, and while it is optimized in the mother-baby bonding when the conditions allow for that, it actually has even a broader function. So oxytocin and its uh, friends, like dopamine, for instance, one of my favorite neurochemicals, dopamine, which is the neurochemical that gets stimulated uh, and is in fact increased through the experience of curiosity. Curiosity and love, seeking um, from a very basic level, are intimately linked. And you see this uh, with animals, for instance, and it is that animal part of the brain that actually soaks up that oxytocin and the limbic part of the brain. And when we can expand that to include collectives even beyond families communities love for those in our cultural environment the ones that we might think of as our tribe or our people and then we expand it Gwilda, even further to love of humanity feeling that all children are our children that's when oxytocin and dopamine are Maximize and through that maximum velocity and amplitude, they stimulate incredible intelligence, surprising intelligence. And I feel so blessed to be having some of those experiences myself now, my intelligence going in places even beyond what I thought were my particular interests, allowing me to flow into areas I never would have predicted. So it's
0: it sounds like the teachings of Jesus or all the, the great masters are, are we're now discovering the the chemical effect, you know effect of those right. teachings. Right. Yeah. So yeah. that unity. So when we when we come into that state of unity through love and through curiosity, and the uh, community, the Earth community becomes our family or basically part of ourselves. Do you think that we're sharing intelligence at that point?
1: I actually have some evidence of that i've been just amazed at seeing how simultaneous ideas keep popping up simultaneous loving ideas for uh the resilience of the salvation of humanity really at this critical time of threat uh i i do definitely see that happening exactly
0: So let's go back to your other area of expertise. Uh, What is trauma resolution and how is this trauma interfering with unity?
1: Oh, great question, Guilda. Great question. So as I mentioned, I began my work as a neuropsychologist uh, in order to resolve some of the trauma in my own life. It was my curiosity about what I experienced as a child, the magnitude of trauma that I was witnessing, um, much of which was an outgrowth of exposures to war and that kind of combat shock that distorts the nervous system so severely. So out of that curiosity about my own personal development, I began to study the brain and became a neuropsychologist. And what I learned was that personal trauma is also community trauma, that trauma healing really needs to happen in community. But it is very difficult to see that when you are so distracted by your own trauma. So now I really understand that the incredible resources that I have assembled in the TAR approach for personal healing actually are a pathway to the experience of collective healing, healing trauma in community. So it's, Not until the major roadblocks, you might say, to the amplitude and velocity of the production, the resilient and spontaneous production of oxytocin and dopamine and their related neurochemicals. It's not until the roadblocks to that production are moved aside, are dissolved, through trauma resolution on a personal level, that that movement from I to we is possible. Therefore, I'm I'm deeply invested in helping people resolve their personal trauma. And I have resources that allow that to happen with some alacrity uh, That so that we don't have to spend, you know, most of our lives in that process. But it is through that process that we are able to come to being leaders, really, uh, deeply needed leaders at this point in time uh, in healing collective trauma?
0: It seems like we're really dancing the edge of uh, neurochemicals and frequency. And so we, ha- we have an attunement going on. So if we're putting out the, the you know, dopamine and all that stuff, it, it creates a frequency that we can attune to. However, if we're in a traumatic state and we aren't putting that out, are we creating an agreed-upon reality of trauma?
1: Well, trauma is contagious, uh, and trauma is, even from its scope in terms of the space it occupies in the brain, it's big. It takes up more space uh, neurologically than positive experiences. So we really do need to resolve personal trauma, and we need the support that allows that to happen, as I said, with alacrity, with some speed. And that is doable. Uh, I don't believe in rushing it uh, by any means. So I want to be very, very clear about that. You can't force uh, healing to happen. But there are resources, and I I have some of them. Other people have them too. I'm not the only one. Uh, Thank God. That's part of what you were talking about before, where you were pointing to how many people are getting on the same bandwidth, you might say, um, who are attuning, and I love that word attunement, who are attuning to the need uh, for personal trauma resolution in order to move towards healing trauma in community. So I believe the resources that I've cultivated go particularly to the root of trauma and 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 weed it out from the neurological structures. Uh, and once we do that, you might say the contagion shifts into that other component that you were describing so well, in which we're resonating with the vitality and the exuberance uh, and the love that comes with resolving those traumas I mean literally you have more space in your brain we have about a half a minute
0: left and I'm going to ask you a hard question what's the difference between trauma and shock
1: well let me take your beautiful lead there and say can I answer that after the break (laughs) okay well we can kind of we can kind of get started we have about a minute okay um well there is a difference even though linguistically um, that is less important than the, the understanding of it because uh, people tend to fuse those two words, uh, but it's very important from the standpoint of assessing where you are and where other people are, so that when you intervene on their behalf, you do it with the capacity to differentiate shock from trauma. So there is a very simple illustration that I like to use for that differentiation, and it would be like the difference between, um, let's say if the electricity went out in my office you know, I would feel traumatized. It's like, like if it went out right now, and I'm in the midst of something it, really important. It
0: is that. It is that magic moment. We'll have to pick it up on the other side, Stephanie. We'll return to our discussion on shock and trauma after this break. So you stay right there. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show on the Exxon Broadcast Network. www.xedbn.net.
3: broadcast studios in hamilton ontario canada to the world and beyond you're watching the x-zone broadcast network
2: www.xzbn.net you have heard of the x-zone now watch it on simul tv plus 500 video games live tv channels free video on demand worldwide and more
0: Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show, www.missionevolution.org. We're bringing the latest tools and information to support the path to an enlightenment. I'm your host, Gilda Wiecka, and our very special guest this hour is Dr. Stephanie Minds. Her website, terra approachorg Stephanie, we're talking about the lights going out in Georgia. Would you mind picking (laughs) back up again?
1: (laughs) Perfect, yes. So let's say... Uh, Here I am in my office doing something really important like talking to you, and all of a sudden the lights go out in this room. Well, I'd be really upset, uh, and I would immediately start going to work here to find out, okay, what switch do I have to pull? What do I have to do? But there would be resources that I could identify that would allow me to get the lights back on. It might take five minutes. It might take 10 minutes. It might even take 15 minutes, but those lights would go back on. So that's trauma. Trauma is a disturbing, um, unpleasant, you know, distressing, uh, damaging situation for which resources are available and can be identified and brought to bear. Shock would be if the electricity in my house, on my road, went out. I had either no heat, no water, I couldn't flush my toilets, and I was stranded. And I was alone and there was no gas in my car or minimum gas in my car and i was struck by how isolated and lonely and without resources abandoned you might say completely unable to bring in what i needed to resolve this situation i would have to go very deep i would if it was me in that situation, I would start to pray. I would need to find deeper inner resources in order to discover resources I didn't know existed. That is shock. That is the difference between trauma and shock. With trauma, we can identify resources. We may have to ask someone, we may have to have conversations, but that awareness of resources will manifest in a relatively short period of time with shock there is no conversation that can happen there are resources but they are so removed they are so difficult to ascertain they are even illusory they are perhaps completely unique perhaps never identified before and so it takes much more time it takes much more focus and concentration and exploration some people don't make it some people lose it uh, in the face of shock so it is it is a challenge it seems like we're
0: living because everything is so accelerated and unprecedented things are starting to go on from our weather to our governments um, it would occur to me that we're suffering more shock now than any time we have in recorded history except direct wartime how is that impacting us as a society
1: yeah, this was actually what motivated me to write my book. Now, over five years ago, we are all in shock because I saw this coming. So it's impacting us on every single systemic level of our existence. Uh, I think its most severe consequence, Gilda, the one that troubles me the most, is that it is separating us from innate human goodness and innate human potential That is what disturbs me that we are losing our connection to the natural world. We are losing our connection to our individual alignment with spirituality, which is everyone's birthright. So we are losing our resources. We're losing our resources. And and, and then that puts us in further shock. It looks like we're going around in circles here, Stephanie. It's really, I think we're at a scary time, Gilda, Uh, but I have not lost faith. I believe in human resilience. I believe in the capacity for us to go that deep. And I believe that those of us who have cultivated that capacity need to be leaders right now. And and that's what I'm investing myself in. Uh, Quite honestly, I'm investing myself in sustainability. I'm investing myself in building leadership. I'm investing myself in maximizing human potential
0: you know you brought and thank goodness you are <laughs> just so you know you have my appreciation there <laughs> you brought up something interesting about climate change what have have you researched climate change is it something that's going on as um uh just the natural cycles that we're in or is there more to it
1: well i'm heavily invested in understanding the impacts of climate change on human psychology and on this whole concept of healing trauma in community because i believe that climate change is uh, now in many parts of the world but this will become true everywhere the greatest shock and the greatest threat to humanity and so i'm studying it deeply i'm cultivating resources and doing my best to disseminate them i've created a a conference that's going to happen in 2019 at the Findhorn Foundation in Northern Scotland called Climate Change and Consciousness, Our Legacy for the Earth. And the purpose of that conference is, in fact, to articulate, share, and celebrate the resources that are available to us through our connection with the earth and through our alignment with uh, the divine forces that would like humanity to survive.
0: Well, it seems like we've gotten so disconnected, there's the, the key again, from the earth, from the climate, and so dependent upon our um technology and and, uh, electronics to provide for us, that it's very shocking um, when the weather changes unexpectedly, something as simple as a storm.
1: What kind of climate
0: changes are we looking at?
1: Well, we're looking at the consequences of what we've done. Uh, Humanity has created this threat to its own existence. And so this is uh, the only time that climate change is the direct product of human activity. Uh, Earlier experiences of major climate shifts were in that category of natural evolution. This particular climate change crisis is the direct consequence of our greed and abuse of the natural world. And it is only by mitigating that, by changing the way that we live, by awakening our consciousness and doing all of that out of love for humanity and out of a deep curiosity about what is possible, that there is any hope. For humanity to survive. The earth will survive. The natural world will continue. It is not dependent on us. We are dependent on it.
0: So if we continue our parasitical um, existence,
1: (laughs) we will be exterminated. Is that what you're saying? It's Yes, we're headed that way faster than anyone anticipated. And the evidence is very clear. And that is why I, as a neuropsychologist, not a conference organizer, not someone who wants to administrate, you know, a global event that is intergenerational, international, and multidisciplinary. I am somebody who loves to do the art of healing uh, and who is herself an artist who loves to write and dance Uh, I am not a conference organizer, but it is because I recognize the magnitude of emergency that requires us to emerge out of our greed and foolishness that I have created climate change and consciousness, our legacy for the earth.
0: It seems like we're... We are in shock and denial about what's actually going on around us on a lot of levels. Is this the case?
1: I believe so. And the, the art here that I'm seeking all the time, uh, and I invite your help with this and everyone's help with this, is how to recognize this without going into panic, how to recognize this gracefully, how to recognize this, how to humbly accept that we are responsible for this, and then to begin to act in a resilient way that allows our intelligence and creativity and love for one another, our global community, to guide us towards thriving In a climate changing world, we are living in a climate changing world. That change is shifting, accelerating all the time. It requires us to meet it, to not be rigid, to not hold back, to not go backwards, but to go forward, carrying forward the wisdom, for instance, of indigenous communities who understand what it means to live in harmony with the natural world, to see and feel the presence of the divine in whatever form uh, that greater force is available to you, to see that happening in the natural world and how to attune to that. How do we learn from nature? How do we become humble? How do we listen? That is the art of thriving in a climate changing world
0: so basically you're telling me our resources that we so desperately need are to be found from nature
1: absolutely from nature and from within us even these incredible technologies which I feel blessed to be able to use that allow things like the expansion of this message into the world to people who I will never meet personally I treasure those but those technological resources come out of the very creativity, resilience, and curiosity that is born in humanity. It's harnessing that incredible brilliance that we're all capable of and using it differently.
0: We're going to to pick up on that brilliance on the other side of yet another commercial break. Stephanie and I will be back shortly, so don't you dare go away. You're listening to the Mission Evolution Radio Show on the x Broadcast Network www.xzbn.net.
2: You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo-TV.
0: WilliamSPeckham.com Welcome back. This is the Mission Evolution radio show, www.missionevolution.org, bringing the latest developments in an evolving world. I'm your host, Gwilda I always love suggestions from my listeners. Email me at info at missionevolution.org to propose a topic or a guess that's on your mind. I'm sure we'll all enjoy them. We're speaking with Dr. Stephanie Mines. Her website, terra approachorg Stephanie, when we're looking for resources from nature, how does a person start?
1: You start really by listening, by allowing yourself to feel, giving yourself permission to feel that nature wants to dialogue with you, that it's calling to you. Um, I did a TED Talk uh, recently on uh, the neurophysiology of spiritual guidance, and it zeroed in Specifically on this capacity that all humans have to find their resonance with the natural world. You know, I was born in the Bronx, New York. Um, It's not like I was surrounded by wilderness. Uh, So this evolution in me is... I'm so humbled by it um, that I feel that I can now hear the natural world speaking directly to me and accepting me into its family. Uh, that has really touched me very deeply, and I feel that that is actually The product of the personal trauma healing that I've done, that, as I said earlier, has cleared space in my neurological functions so that my prefrontal lobe, my highest consciousness, my my visionary consciousness can be available. It's not preoccupied with threat, which is how I was raised. And anybody who has experienced trauma and shock knows the sense of being met with trauma at every turn. That clarification that we have the freedom to make choices and to be available is the product of the resolution of personal trauma and awakens each person's individual brilliance and each person's kinship with the natural world. The root of the word kinship is kind. We learn to be kind to one another, even under incredible threat when we feel our kinship with the natural world and with each other.
0: I'm going to change topics a little bit here, but it's not so much of a change as you might think. Let's talk about the meridians, because I think the meridians are a way that we do interface and recalibrate with the natural world. What can you tell us about the meridians?
1: Oh, we, do we have like another few hours? So We're going to have to arrange for that, actually, <laughs> but not today. I would, I would love it. So the system that I teach, which is an applied touch, trauma-informed touch system uh, in the Tara approach, is based on understanding the five elements through the meridians. So the meridians, uh, named in oriental medicine, those meridians actually convey the messages of the basic five elements of the natural world, earth, water, wood, air, and fire, in the human body. So we are part of nature that's why we can find our kinship with it if we can become quiet enough to listen not only to nature but to ourselves at the same time and promote that dialogue so by balancing the meridians which is exactly what my system does we are actually feeling in our own bodies that kinship with the natural world so we're
0: actually wired to recalibrate to nature, and that's true health, isn't it?
1: You've got it, Gwilda. You have got it.
0: It's amazing. And how is this being accepted by mainstream medicine?
1: Well, in some, it depends on where you are and who you're talking to. There's, of course, a lot of resistance, um, and there is also small openings. Uh, there are, uh, for instance physicians who are interested in learning about compassionate communication with their patients and through that compassionate communication they are awakening uh, the kinds of neurochemistry that make it possible to feel the qualities of the natural world in the human body. There are physicians who are open-minded enough and are aware that the origins of medicine, uh, through Hippocrates, through uh, the do no harm principles, actually still prevail, and that perhaps we have uh, overdone the treatment of conditions that are not acute by using strategies that are intended only for acute situations. Western medicine is brilliant. Uh, in acute emergency situations, and we are blessed to have its evolution. But it is not necessarily uh, useful when the conditions that the person is presenting are, are holistic conditions, conditions that involve an attunement, your wonderful word, attunement, to the human being. So that instead of looking at the data You could actually look at the person. There are some physicians, and I would do anything to increase their numbers, uh, and I intend to do my best in that regard, uh, who are opening to the do-no-harm principles and holistic principles and compassionate care.
0: It's amazing. I'm, I'm a preceptor for the University of Colorado School of Medicine, and I teach doctors about the interface between shamanism and allopathic medicine. Some of the new docs coming out are just exactly what you've described. I think there is hope.
1: Oh, that is so. That is music to my ears, Gilda. <laughs> Absolutely, wonderful? music yeah. to my ears. Yeah. Yes.
0: So you know, let's take us back to the full circle here. Doesn't stored shock and trauma impinge our flexibility to adjust to all the rapid changes? I mean, even our meridians kind of freeze up when we're when we're stuck in shock. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, well, they become obstructed and they can't do their wonderful dance of fluidity. Um, and yes, that, you know, restriction, resistance and restriction go together. And as some people experience that in their structure, in their movement, uh, in their thinking, in their relationships. And, and everybody knows uh, and everybody can, I think, be humble enough to admit when they're stuck Uh, And that stuckness is the product of exactly what you're describing. If we can have the support and guidance to investigate that stuckness, and all of us have to do that at every level of development, then I I never give up hope on anybody, no matter what their age, no matter what their situation. Uh, I really, Gilda, I really have a great love for humanity. And that's what I've been reflecting on in this conversation. I'm reflecting on that child who I was, who was surrounded by chaos and violence and evil, and how all that child wanted to do was love those people and be loved by them in return. And that part of me thank God, is still alive. And I feel that looking out at the madness that surrounds us and that I feel personally afflicted by on a daily basis. I have to work with that every day of my life. But why I want to work with it, why I want to be of service in this situation is out of that original love uh, that that child felt even to those who were inflicting harm to her.
0: So that madness that we're seeing, though, isn't that an old obsolete system falling apart?
1: Exactly. You are so on it, Gwilda. (laughs) Uh, You are so on it. Um, We do have to get together more because uh, we're resonating at the same level. Yes, that is the old story. And we are moving into the new story. And that says nothing about age. No matter how old you are, you can move into the new story.
0: And that is the key is we have to get together and write that new story. How do you start?
1: I think you named it at the beginning. You start with your own personal healing. Uh, it's it's very difficult to open your heart when your heart is burdened. So, you start with your personal healing, you take that courageous step into believing things can and will change. And you find the interventions that work with for you. So that could be my Tara approach. Uh, it could be one of the other wonderful systems that are out there. You find what resonates with you and you, Devote yourself to it. You, it, it's a very interesting thing. It's what I learned as a mother, that, uh, and also as a grandmother, same teaching that if I take care of myself, my children get the benefit. If we take care of ourselves and maximize our personal potential, and that really percolates up, just organically, it puts us into a position. To maximize the potential for others. So rather wise, than the,
0: wise, the trop- wise words, my friend, and you okay. know it's hard to believe, but we're already out of time. Stephanie, oh we're going to to do this again. Please. And thank, you, thank you so much for coming on this show.
1: Thank
0: you. Our guest this hour is Dr. Stephanie Mines, author of We Are All in Shock, New Frontiers in Sensory Integration, and They Were Families, How War Comes Home. Her website, terra approach.org. Remember to join our email family to stay abreast of all the exciting new things we have coming up at missionevolution.org. This has been Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiecka on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net. Join us next time as the mission continues to bring information, resources, and support to an evolving world.